My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Praise God. We have that assurance that that work that he has begun, church, he is going to complete it. I turn your attention to Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 8. We'll just read verse 8 and 9, and then you'll be seated here in just a moment. But Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor. Everybody say favor. How many this morning want favor? The Bible says that God brought Daniel this favor. God brought it into Daniel into favor and tender love. Look at that. He's the captive. He's the prisoner, if you will. He has been taken. But God has done something here through Daniel. The Bible says that the prince of the eunuchs, that he had favor with him, but also that tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. This morning I want to preach to you for just a few minutes about a made-up heart. 2020, right here, right now, a made-up heart. You know why? Because there's some things if the Lord tarries, let me just say that if the Lord tarries, he may come today. But if he tarries, weeks, months, year, I don't want to go beyond that. But if he tarries, there are going to be some things that come upon the earth that is going to challenge and try everything about you and I. But if we already have a made-up heart... It does not matter what comes, but we've already made that decision. We're going to stand for the Lord. Would you put your Bibles down and would you lift your voices unto the one who's good, the one who's able, the one who's mighty, the one who's strong, the one who is everlasting. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your presence today. We pray, Lord, speak unto us. Would you move in this place? Would you have your way? Would you do a mighty work among us today in every service? Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder one more time if we could praise the Lord together and thank him for being so good and so faithful. I praise you today. Hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Let me just read a few uh, names to you and see if this sounds familiar. Keto. Mediterranean. South Beach, Weight Watchers, 
Atkins, vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, low-carb, no-carb, all-carb. There are more diets than perhaps Dairy Queen has blizzards. I did read an, an interesting article of a young lady who no longer worked for Dairy Queen when she brought the customer their drink. She thought it was one of those blizzards and she got to the car and she turned it upside down and to her amazement everything out of that drink came out of that cup came out you've ever been on the receiving end of a blizzard, praise the Lord for ice cream. They hold it out the window and upside down. But when you look at all of these things, and there are many other diets that I have not even mentioned, but millions of people dive deep in the, in the deep end of the diet pool. I, I know someone uh, that is continually, every time there's a new diet comes out, it's the one. It's going to be the one. It, it is perfect. It's got all the medical science behind it. It's going to be what they need. But you just give it a few weeks and then you realize that, nope, I guess that wasn't the one because they've already given up on it and they're waiting for the next one to come down the line. Many people are looking to diet simply for maybe health concerns, but also to perhaps slim their waistline. But when you look at the book of Daniel, when Daniel pushed that plate away and, and did not desire the king's meat, the Bible tells us that Daniel wasn't concerned necessarily with trimming down. He wasn't necessarily concerned with perhaps the, the health benefits of eating this, this vegetarian diet, if you want to call it, this, this specific plan that God had for his people and how they should eat. Daniel was more concerned, not with how much weight he can lose or what the health benefits would be, but I believe the scripture shows us that Daniel was more concerned about obeying God than anything else. God had given the children of Israel a diet plan in the word. That plan was for them specifically. It was to keep them. It was to help them. It was to keep them in good health. It was specific for God's people, not only for health concerns, but God didn't want his people partaking of those things uh, that the Babylonians were partaking in. God's people were separated people dedicated unto the Lord. Daniel, certainly with the Hebrews, stood out because of his faith. Daniel and his Hebrew friends trusted that God would take care of them. And those servers that feared for their lives, because make no mistake about it, they were to serve that meat that wine to Daniel and those Hebrews like everybody else, and if they refused or messed that up, certainly there would be consequences. In a Babylonian kingdom, those consequences are not something insignificant. More than likely, you lose your life. <laughs> That's how the kingdom operated. But you know what? No, even though they feared for their lives, they brought only vegetables 
to those four faith-filled Hebrews. And at the end of that trial period, you know if you've been in Sunday school, you know that Daniel and those three friends, that they fared better than the Babylonians. That trial period, if you will, was testing out whether or not Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, well, let me, let me go ahead and pronounce their Hebrew names, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, they fared better. Why? Because they put their faith in God. And church, listen, we need to put our faith in God. I know that's not a revelation to you this morning, but the world is pressuring us to change to meet their need, their demand, their desire, what they say is right. And and, and the world has always pressured the church, but we're living in the last day. Did that come through? I need to make sure I get an amen on this one. We are living in the last days. And and we must understand that everything that can be shaken, there's going to be a shaken. You and I stand out. Why? Because we trust in God. Daniel stood out because he trusted in God. You and I stand out because we tithe unto the Lord. Do you realize there are people that do not understand the aspect of tithing 10%? The tithe and and giving unto the Lord. Why would you give money to a church? They've got all kinds of money. You laugh, but you probably have heard that. They think there are trees that grow around the church that are just, the the preacher goes out and pulls those $100 bills off that tree because why? The churches are filled with money. No, the churches are not filled with money. Now, um, I I don't know everybody's finances and things. I'm, I'm just generalizing here. But the reason why the church has what it has, first of all, is God's people are faithful. God blesses faithfulness. God bless Daniel and those Hebrews. You and I, we stand out. Why? Because we give. I I, I laugh at a lot of these billionaires. Do you realize that some of these billionaires are the most stingiest people? You would think a billionaire would be very generous with their money, but oftentimes they are very vocal about being generous, but when you boil it down, you are probably percent-wise giving more than some of these millionaires and billionaires who give to certain charities. You and I probably percent-wise give more of our income then they do. Why? Because they want to withhold. But when, when you live for God long enough, you understand, no, he didn't tell me to hold or withhold, but he told me to give. He told me to just pour it out. He told me in his word to be faithful, and I've never been without. God has always been faithful to us. You know, you and I, we live for God. Not only do we give, we speak differently. Why? Because we want to glorify God. We act differently. We dress differently. We live holy. We separate ourselves from the world. How do we do that? Just simply by obeying the word of God. We separate ourselves from the world and we dedicate ourselves unto God. 
There's no greater contrast, I believe, than here and now when you and I just simply obey the world. The word, the world is so upside down today. The contrast couldn't be more stark, if you will, but you and I, we must know that there are temptations for us to give up on our dedication, our faithfulness to God. Daniel followed the leading of God, and he stood up, and he stood out. Why? For faithfulness. And I believe in this hour when the pressure of the world comes upon us, you and I need to stand out for faithfulness. You're not going to get acknowledged by the world for doing something good. You're not going to be uh, you're not going to be uh, encouraged in your stand of faith by the world. But who needs that when you have the one who created the heavens and the earth, uh, and He knows that you and I are being faithful? Listen, if there is a reward to be had for being faithful, I want His reward. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. He said He's a rewarder of them that. I believe that our mindset, our frame of mind, it determines so much about how we live on this Christian journey. It's possible to know the truth. It's possibly to embrace that truth. But in order to make the right decisions, you and I must have a frame of mind that's fully persuaded and convinced of the truth. That's why when everything is being shaken, those who are not fully persuaded, are going to realize that maybe there's something else they need to do in life. But those who are fully persuaded are going to say, when everything's shaken, they're going to say, I'm going to keep holding on. I'm going to keep holding on to the Word of God. I might find myself in Babylon right now, and I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to hold to the Word of God, and I'm not letting it go. When I lived in New Orleans, when we went through Hurricane Katrina, it was always amazing to me to watch the af- aftermath of what happened. We, we had a church that many people were faithful. They were always there. They, they, they were faithful men and women to God. They were always at church. And the hurricane came and destroyed the city and destroyed homes. And people went back into a rebuilding process. But it was amazing to me how many people fell away from God when the storm came through and interrupted their normal routine All of a sudden, they could not reconnect again, if you will. And reconnect is not the right word. Because no matter if a storm comes or not, if you are and I are connected, then we are connected. And we don't disconnect from God, but there were people, many of them, that just because things were changed up, all of a sudden, you never saw them again. And all of a sudden, when you did see them, they were back in what they were doing before they came to God. All because the normal routine of things was interrupted. And church, I worry in this hour for this purpose, for this reason, is that sometimes as the interruptions come, 
that many people decide it's time for them to maybe disconnect and go into what they, back to what they were doing before. That's why Jeremy, when he told, told us the scripture, Paul saying, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm reaching, I'm pressing, I'm, I'm reaching for that mark. I, I'm, I'm looking ahead. Many people, listen, it just shows you who are not really connected when the shaking comes, you see that. And it was amazing to me to see that. But then there were others. There were those who decided to just give up, if you will. And I, I, and I, I don't understand it. But there were, the, there were others that it did not matter that things changed. It did not matter that it took months before we can meet back together and have, quote, unquote, church together. That, that they were right there with it. They were ready to go. But there were others that never got connected again. Don't let that happen. You have to be persuaded. Paul said, for I am persuaded. I am confident, he said at one point. I am persuaded. In other words, there's nothing that is going to convince me that's going to separate me from the love of God. If I'm persuaded, there's no event, uh, there's no circumstance, uh, there's no problem, there's no trial, there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God. We're going to keep believing God. We're going to live for God. We're going to trust in his name until he comes. <laughs> Many times, it's because there's not a decision that has been made. Many Christians struggle with worries and anxieties and insecurities. And even you, you see it in their lifestyle. They, they, they waver back and forth. But Paul reminds the believer, he said, listen, the righteousness of the law, that it might be fulfilled in us. How is it fulfilled in us? When we walk not after the flesh, but when we walk after the Spirit. He said, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the... But they that after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, to be carnally minded is... It is death, but to be spiritually minded... To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, Paul said, it is enmity against God. For it is subject to the law of, is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. But Paul says, look, you've got to understand, you've got to walk after the Spirit. If you walk after the Spirit, you won't fulfill those things of the flesh. But if you want to please God, you've got to have a made up mind that says, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to walk in his word and nothing is going to shake that trust out of my life you know the mind directs our actions only a redeemed heart only a redeemed heart can condition and guide the human mind from a spiritual context in other words when we are born again when we are led by the spirit through that redemption, through our, our transformation of believing and obeying the gospel, only now truly can we, can we walk in the Spirit 
and fulfill the word of God. We can't allow our own natural, or if I could say it this way, our, our mind to lead us and, and, and make our decisions. But now we are led and are made decisions. How? By the word of God and by the leading of God's spirit. God's spirit directs us. But that involves a mind that has been transformed. The only way you do that is if you have a transformed mind, and it's transformed by the Holy Ghost. Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. Why would you and I have to prove anything? You know why? It's a testimony. You can show through your transformed life what God can do. Because there are people who have lived under the same circumstances that you have lived in or similar, and they see your transformation, and our transformation convicts them. I don't have to be an alcoholic. I don't have to be addicted to drugs. I don't have to live a life, a, a destructive life. I, I don't have to stay down that path. Why? Because Dennis got transformed and, 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 and Brother Wall got transformed and, and even Brother McHarris got transformed. I mean, I mean, if transformation can happen for us, there's hope for everybody else. And so we prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The heart and the mind, they work together in our relationship with the Lord. And even though Daniel did not have the privilege of being filled with the Holy Ghost. No, he wasn't. wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. Even though he lacked what you and I have, we have something Daniel did not have. But Daniel had a heart for God, and that heart was made up and informed and, and renewed. If you want to put it this way, it was an informed and empowered heart, and that heart was able to keep him on the right track to maintain his convictions and his dedication unto the Lord. When you look at the scriptures in Daniel, the Bible tells us that Nebuchadnezzar, when when he besieged Jerusalem, the king of Babylon, when B Jerusalem was besieged, Daniel 1 and 2, the Bible says that the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand. In other words, the fall of Jerusalem was not because of the might or the power of Nebuchadnezzar's army, and certainly he had a powerful army, but, and, and probably... Uh, not comparable to anything else on the earth, but it wasn't the might of his army. It was that God. The Bible says that the Lord put them into his hand. The Lord gave them. The Lord allowed it to happen. In other words, the fall of Jerusalem was not orchestrated by Nebuchadnezzar and his wisdom and his might and his military capabilities, but it was the Almighty himself. He allowed it. The fall of Jerusalem was consequences, and it reflected upon God. It was God's judgment upon his people. It was the beginning of the great exile of Judah. It was prophesied, it was prophesied or predicted by Isaiah, Micah, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk. They all talked about it. The people had sinned, and the Lord had to discipline his rebellious children. The Lord allows this to happen. 
And as if losing their independence and having their temple ransacked and the sacred vessels of the temple taken were not bad enough for the people of God, Nebuchadnezzar also took. Now think about this. Nebuchadnezzar took into captivity a number of their brightest and most intelligent young men. He took the best of the best of them to come and into his service, if you will. The fate that befell Daniel and his three Hebrew friends was that they were taken from everything they knew and brought into this Babylonian culture. There's no indication of how many captives were taken. We don't know the exact number, but we know of Daniel, and we know his three friends, and we also know their names were changed. Now listen, they were changed to Belshazzar and, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now think about the power of that. When the Babylonians took these young men, that they said, your name is no longer Daniel. But now you have to answer to our name that we're going to give you, and you need to answer to Belshazzar. So you have to get used to somebody calling out, Belshazzar! And you better raise your hand or speak up and say your name. I got on one of my children this morning because I was calling for them. And children at times do what? They just sit there. I'm like, did, did you hear me calling you? Yes, I did. I'm like, it requires a response a verbal response or some kind of motion that, that allows me to know, there you are. Daniel and those Hebrews, listen, it wasn't just a, a simple name change. If they changed your name from, from, from Bob to whatever a Babylonian equivalent of that would be or whatever they determined it would be, you would now have to be cognizant of that change it be, it would become part of your daily routine if i called out your name right now and if it was your name you would come to it you would you would be attentive why because someone called your name daniel now had to get used to this not only of a calling of a name but what was all associated with that name now for his life the babylonians were saying this is who you are going to be to us and it was not if you want to. It was not if you would like. But now think about what was happening to these Hebrews that, that now their lives were really hinged upon whether or not they go along with the Babylonians or not or what Nebuchadnezzar wants. Really at a moment's notice they could be wiped out. But when you have a made-up Heart. You look at the consequences and you say, well, as they stood before that fiery furnace at another point in time, if God delivers us, that's great. But if he doesn't, we've already got a made up heart. We're going to serve him no matter what you do and that's where we are today lord we are going to serve you no matter what happens whether or not our schedule goes completely crazy or not and i've said it already and it and you if you want to depend on online media to have church down the road when things come upon the earth or they force us to shut down and you think 
places like Facebook and YouTube and all these, these organizations are going to allow churches. You watch. It, it won't be long. They're going to say, you do not meet the terms of our agreement. You are not allowed on our platform. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to have church in my house. I'm just going to worship the Lord at home. We'll have a devotion at the house. I've got four children, Dana and I. We've had church in the house many a times. And listen, those kids need the Holy Ghost. We need revival in our house often with those four children and with a father like this. We need revival all the time. Amen, see? But don't think that you could do what we have done in the past. We, we may not have those avenues available. And Daniel and those Hebrews had to understand that things will never be like they were before. Things will never go back to what we had before pre-being taken into captivity. But you know what? We're going to live for God here, wherever we are. We're going to live for God. No matter what happens to us, we're going to trust in the Lord. Think about what they had to do. They had to learn the language. They had to learn the literature of the Babylonians. And listen, that, that wasn't something that was pleasant for them to have to learn and understand. But they needed to learn this culture of the Babylonians. They, they had to understand what their task would be in that society. And you know what? Changing their names from the ones that honored God, God and, and changing the names that, listen, that, that, that really instilled that purpose of God into their lives and showed uh, the favor of God. The Babylonians were saying, no, you're going to be changed now to adhere to what we believe and what, and what we think is right. We, we don't care about your past, but they, they really wanted influence in these men and control. Influence and control. They were the ones that took them captive. They wanted the influence of the Hebrews. They wanted them to learn everything about their culture if they were going to be used, if they were going to live and survive. That daily portion of food and wine for the king's table, it was just the first uh, hurdle, if you will, for these Hebrews. And, and, and I know that you've heard this many times, but, but they had to make a, a decision point at the beginning. And I believe the decision point happened before they were taken into captivity. But here they are in captivity, and the first thing they're forced to do is partake of the king's portion, that daily portion. And Daniel, though, wisely disagrees with that portion or, or protests, maybe that's the wrong word, or decides to say, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking this food, we're not going to take this wine. But if you look at what the Bible said, the Bible says that when they were offered that, that wine, when they were offered that meat, that Daniel refused that diet. And, 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 and he must have refused it in a way that was not confrontational, or that wasn't in a way that caused his captives or the prince of the eunuchs to respond negatively to his request. Because remember, the prince of the eunuchs, they, they were charged with giving this food to the Hebrews. They were charged with this task. And if anything goes wrong in this task, their, their lives are on the line as well. But Daniel was able to speak to them in such a way that said, look, 
just, just do what we're asking you to do for this time period, and you'll see the difference between us and everybody else. Daniel and his three friends, listen, they had to make a decision at that point. What are we going to allow? And I believe right now we make this decision oftentimes, but so much today we are at decision points. America is at decision points. As a nation, we have to decide what, what do we want? What do we want? I don't have to tell you, we don't know what we want. I, I'm saying that as a country, and in a country we like to talk about our values. What are our values? What, what are they? I, I'm going to move off this point in a minute, and I'm not here to pro-con political things. I'm not here to do all that. God is the one who sets up. He takes down. But when you talk about values and you're murdering by the millions, values, what we stand for, you talk about a Babylonian culture, look around you. Daniel, what you going to do? I'm not letting anything in. It's king's meat, wine. What are we going to do? I'm not starting here. This is not the starting point for us. We're going to refuse anything that contradicts what God has told us to do. We, we were told that we have a certain diet. And we're going to adhere to that diet even though it may cost us our lives. What's interesting when you look at the scriptures, that when Daniel refused, Paul tells us about the armor of God. And that, that armor of God, listen, it protects us. It's important. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, the powers, the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why he said, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Every bit of it, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Daniel and his three friends did not start a prayer life when they were taken captive. No, no, no. They did not start. And said, oh, Lord, what we're going to do? We're in Babylon. Oh, God, what? help us, Lord. No, no, no. The prayer life and the relationship they had prior to captivity was taken with them into captivity. And they just simply, Brother Ronnie, they just simply continued to walk in the relationship that they had when they got put into captivity. Old Donald Rumsfeld said this. He said, you go to war with the army you have. Not the army you might want or wish to have at some later time. But Rumsfeld said, I think applies in our relationship with God when we're going through the trial, when we're going through the trouble, when everything's being shaken. 
It's not the relationship with God that I desire to have down the road that I have. No, it's what I have right here, right now. And listen, the only way it changes, the only way it gets better is right here, right now. The only way it gets greater is right here, right now. Because what comes down the road, I'm going to bring my relationship And there are many people, and you stand with me, please. I, I've got a whole lot more, but I've got a, not enough time. There are many people that are playing church. And when they finally figure out who the Antichrist is, and when they figure out where we exactly are in end-time prophecy, when they figure out what the mark of the beast is, when, when they feel like they've done all they wanted to do in the world, when they feel like they finally have reached a point, now I want to be serious, you know what? It might, it just might be too late. You know what? It's not too late if you can do this this morning. If you're able to take a breath, if your heart is still beating, if you can have a made-up heart, I'm going to live for you, God. Would you lift up your hands all over this place right now? I just, Lord Jesus, I pray your, bless, your help. I pray, Lord, your wisdom. I pray your direction upon your people right now, Jesus. Lord, let us have a made-up heart. Let us have a made-up heart, Lord God, a made-up mind that says, Lord, no matter what comes, the relationship that we have with you right now, Lord, let it be greater. Let it, let it grow. Let it develop, Lord God. Let it, let it be what we will need, Lord God, in the midst of everything that will come our way. Let it be, Lord God, what we need, Jesus. Let it be, Lord God, what we desire it to be right here, right now, Lord. Not looking at a later point in time, but Jesus, I pray for the church. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to direct us and lead Lead us in the spirit. Lead us by your spirit, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, awaken us to the hour in which we live. Awaken us, Lord God, into the hour in which we live. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, Jesus. Let your will be done today in Jesus' name. We're going to conclude this service in the moment, but they're going to worship the Lord. And I, and I just want you, if you want to take a few minutes this morning, we're going to worship the Lord together. If you've been battling some things and you want to take a step out from where you are and come to the front, we'll pray with you. I'll pray with you this morning, and we'll lay hands on you. But if you want to worship where you are for a few minutes before we dismiss, I think we have a minute or two. Would you just begin to worship the Lord right now? And let's just bless the Lord before we dismiss this service this morning. Lord, I want to have a made-up mind. Oh, let nothing, Lord God, get in our way. Let, let us not, Lord God, negotiate the word of the Lord. Let us not negotiate, Lord God. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. 
Be blessed in Jesus' name.